This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to our podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. It is dedicated to what many camping professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, or leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all the promises that you make to parents and customers throughout the rest of the year. This series will focus on helping you create and facilitate the most effective training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. So we're going to start out by introducing ourselves. Gab, why don't you go first? Yeah, my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro, which is an all-girls camp uh, with a linguistic program uh, in northern Quebec. And uh, I have a passion for leadership, and I'm just really happy to be here talking with these two. Great, thanks. Ruby. I'm Ruby Compton. I'm the summer camp program director at Green River Preserve in western North Carolina. We are an environmentally based summer camp and we're located on 3,400 acres of private wildlife preserve. Um, and I think camp is pretty much the best uh, professional development tool in the world. So running staff training for that's pretty, pretty big accomplishment. Awesome. And I'm Beth Allison, and along with my husband, Travis, I was a camp director and executive director for over 15 years, and now am part of Camp Hacker and do leadership training consulting. Um, And I was saying to these two before we started today, this just brings me alive when we start talking about training. So we're really excited about today's topic. And our topic for today is the mission, training staff on the compass of camp. So before we get started, it's really important for us, like so much of what happens at camp, to front load the topic. So when we were discussing how we were going to plan this, uh, Gabrielle had given us a few things to sort of front load before we started our topic. So Gab, can you just kind of go over those a little bit with us before we start, please? Yeah, sure. Um, I I think that uh, sort of started with... um uh, I run a leadership uh, training program for uh, CIT directors uh, in Quebec. Um, so what's cool about the Quebec Camping Association is if you want to run a CIT program, your director needs to be accredited. And so I run one of that accreditation programs. And um, and my first question that I ask uh, our CIT directors, what is the mission of your camp? And about, I would say, shamefully, there's only about 10% of uh, those CIT directors that know what the mission of the camp is. Um, one of my CIT directors included, so I've, I'll put that on my list. And I think that as directors, what happens is that we we understand what we're trying to do, but to convey it to our staff um, sometimes seems a little bit daunting. Uh, also because they don't seem to, when you say the word mission, it's like eyes go down, ears turn <laughs> off. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here to take care of the kids. That's what I'm here to do. Right. So... But there's a huge, huge, huge benefit in everybody not intuitively knowing what your camp is about, but is able to actually put it into practice. And, and that uh, mission is, needs to be represented in your programs, how you welcome your kids, how you take care of your kids, and how your staff treat each other. Um, and, and what we really want to talk about today is is how to come up with a clear mission statement, but also how to get your staff to totally buy into it. Great. Basically. <laughs> Basically. Good. <laughs> so what we're saying is that before you get started, you really need to know um, what the idea of your mission is, what all your actions and programs um, are oriented to. Um, and also, um, we'd like to sort of front load by saying that the mission of your camp starts with staff hiring. It doesn't start with leadership training. So kind of remember all that before we get started, because we're going to specifically focus on the leadership training aspect of it. Okay. Ruby, you want to tell us a bit about the Uh, compass? Yeah, sure. So as again, as we were preparing for this podcast, um, 
you know, the mission is kind of this amorphous thing. Like it's, it's concrete and it's written in words, but it can be a hard thing to put your, your finger on in a lot of ways. And as we were talking about it and talking about training our staff on the mission, it, it, to me, it sounded a lot like when I worked in environmental education, I was teaching kids how to use a compass. Um, and in a lot of ways, teaching our staff how to, to be the mission, do the mission, believe in the mission is very much like teaching children orienteering. And so the first thing that they always ask is like, why do I need to know this? I have a GPS. It's not important. Um, but it's really important to understand that this is a, a hard skill, knowing your mission, understanding it, and believing it, um, because sometimes your batteries might run low on your GPS, and then what are you going to do? Uh, and when our staff's batteries run low, their energy level runs low, a lot of times the mission is what's going to pull them through that, helping them really understand what it is we're doing, why we're doing it, why it's important. Um, that's going to help them pull through that. The other thing is... Uh, I've always had this experience. Every time I've taught somebody how to use a compass, they have that aha moment, that light bulb goes off. And, um, you know, the kid is, is literally standing in every other direction from everybody else in the class. They have no idea how the compass works. And then suddenly it's just like, bing, there it is. <laughs> and, and you're going to see that in your staff too. Uh, and you want to create those moments. And when that moment happens, you want to take it and really run. Um, that being said, you also, much like orienteering, need to use landmarks. You need to check and see, do your staff understand the mission? Are they meeting it? Are they accomplishing it? Um, are you giving them feedback based on that? Um, all of those things are going to help you maintain and meet that mission throughout your summer. Great. So we want our staff to be the mission and use the mission and do whatever it takes to fulfill the mission. So the question is, how do we get them to take ownership of those values and those responsibilities? So we have a few questions today, uh, and we're going to take turns answering those. And our first question is, what is one of the things you do to get your staff to start thinking about and to understand the mission of your camp? So Gab, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, Great. I, I think it's basically uh, one of the things that we do is um, there's a very big difference, of course, between your returning staff and your new staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've always said that whatever you do with your new staff, in their minds, that's how it's always been done. So right. you want to make any changes, uh, you know, and when you have a big change over year with your staff, that's the time to do it. Because for the most, most of them, it's like, oh, this is how it's always been done here. Um, so with that in, in mind, we try to bring in our returning staff a day early and talk about the changes that we want to make. Um, so one of the things that we've done is with our returning staff is really, really talk about the mission and how do we get our new staff um, to get on board with, with the mission. And of course, in turn, that gets our returning staff on board with the mission. So uh, we have our, our returning staff teach the mission to our new staff in their own way and then the new staff present it to me and I'm the big decider of of awesomeness um (laughs) (laughs) I love that idea that's a great idea it's awesome so and and what happens is that it which is always amazing and always amazes me even though it happens uh you know all the time is that the way certain people interpret the mission of course I I make it clear the day before so it's not like they I just say go um but the insight that they have is, it, it sort of blows my mind. And we use it in different scenarios. And we, of course, link it always to their camp experience, but how is that going to impact them once they leave camp? So the mission isn't just about uh, following rules at camp or, or making sure people are safe. It's for, you know, helping the growth for the child. So how is this going to impact them when they they um, they go back home in their family home and in, in their school? So. Uh, and then the yeah, so our new staff do the big presentation uh, the next day. So that's a, that's a little bit of a way of of how I introduce uh, the mission, um, reintroduce it to our returning staff members and and to our new staff members. That's cool. Great. I love that. Ruby, what do you got? Um, so I this uh, this one's a little bit gimmicky, but I think it's also <laughs> sometimes good. gimmicky is great. So the YMCA camp that I worked at previously, um, we the time that we really talked about mission 
whether this is good or bad, we could debate otherwise, uh, was often the first time we really heard it was from our HR people. So the HR people from the association would come in and do a whole presentation that involved dress code and sexual harassment and all of those really mm-hmm. fun HR things. But yes. they always started the talk with um, a, some sort of mission activity. And often, just about every summer of the seven summers I was there, uh, the first person who could stand up and recite the mission got some really cool prize. And honestly, like, you got to the point where you're like, oh, man, that was really sweet what they won. Next year, I'm going to know it, <laughs> you know, um, or I'm going to make sure that the kid who's sitting in front of me is wearing a T-shirt that has it written on it so I can stand up and say it really fast. Uh, but again, you know, it's gimmicky, but it, it is important. It, it, it Me as a return staff member, it made me think like, this is something I should be able to recite and other people are able to recite it. Um, and we were very proud of our mission there. I mean, it was on a lot of our stuff. It was on our t-shirts and it was on, um, all of our publications. Um, so it was around us and and very omnipresent. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little thing, but I think even just setting that up and your return staff are expecting it, they might learn it. Great. Great. Um, I was really big on letters So I always wrote a lot of letters. And one of the letters that I would write would be at our May weekend. So we would do a May weekend staff orientation weekend that really focused on our mission so that when they came back at the end of June to do that 10-day training period, we were already all on the same page. And at the May weekend, I would often leave letters in different spots of the camp that were then found and read by a staff member when I was not there. And um, it would, um, you know, be a letter of, um, you know, trying to encourage them or um, explaining why we were here or how happy I was. They were here. They were all over the place and they were all a little bit different. Nothing too long, but just a letter. So they went and looked for letters. Um, One of the other letters that we did every year was to write one um, between Travis and me. The two of us would write it together and we would read it together to the staff at Campfire on the Saturday night of staff orientation. And it would spell out all of our expectations, how we expected them to handle the mission, what the mission was. Um, It was a big deal. So letters became really important. And I'll talk about those a little bit later in the podcast because there's another kind of letters that we did um, that was one of my favorite things ever. Um, So that was one way we really got the mission across, especially in this day and age where everything is being texted um, or um, instant messaged. This was a way that they got a formal letter that I had handwritten um, and it was kind of something special. Gab, you got another one for us? Uh, for how to introduce a mission to to your camp, yes. uh, to your staff, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I like to uh, to um, ask the question. This is more for for my my younger staff members who are returning to Waro, um, but there were campers and NCITs with us, and um, and so I asked them, "All right, now camp." Unfortunately, camp got offered a billion dollars from the Oprah Corporation to rent out. <laughs> Unfortunately. Our site. It just happened. <laughs> it is unfortunate, isn't it? And it, it's only for two days, but camp has been moved to um, a parking lot in, in St. Jonah, which is our, our camp town. Um, massive, massive parking lot. All the staff are there and all the kids are there. But the o- Oprah Corporation is at Waro. And all of a sudden, um, a camper who came t- two days late got to camp and um, accidentally didn't get the notice that, you know, Oprah's taken over, basically. Um, so, so what would they feel when they're on camp during that time? They have a lovely organization, but what would be missing from um, our staff and our kids uh, when there's other people, very nice people, but other people on our camp? And what would they absorb even though we're not there? Um, when we're when they're on camp, and then they finally get to uh, to the parking lot. What some of the things that they would be happy to see and really get about Waro? What are the things that are missing? And so, basically, um, we look at where is Camp Waro really in this situation, mm-hmm. and and uh, they they always choose the parking lot. They're very sad about missing their lake, and they're very <laughs> sad about a lot of other things. This is really upsetting to them. Um, <laughs> But so, so, and then we get them to describe. So how can I feel Waro? Describe it. Show me, tell mm. me what that looks like. 
And then we link that back to the mission. So uh, I'm very, very big into people uh, when they say, you know, you feel welcomed. That's great. What does that look like? And this stumps a lot of young people. Well, you know, you're welcomed. I was like, (laughs) yes, awesome. Describe (laughs) it to me. And this gets them to start describing the behaviors that we want our staff Mm. members to do. And then I said, you know, this is the, this is what we, this is, you're entering as a staff member and this is our secret magic wand on, on how we know how to do these things. This is our starting point. Um, And, you know, so they, that's, that's one of the exercises that we do with our our seven, just with my 17 year olds. I do it. It's really fun. I like it. We have a tea party as well at the same time. So. (laughs) Tea parties are, are always good. Yeah, anytime, anytime you can throw a tea party out. in there. <laughs> Great. All right, Ruby, what have you got? I'm going to default to you because I think you probably have more um, oh. <laughs> more fun suggestions that I'm going to come up with right now. So please, please share. Sure. Um, we came up years and years ago with um, an activity that we call koinonia. And koinonia is a Greek word and just means fellowship. So on that Saturday morning of the May weekend, every year, we would do a three-hour activity. So it would really take us from breakfast right to lunch. And it was different every year. It was always something different. So we had to come up with something creative every year that would take three hours worth of time. And it would involve, um, you know, putting them into different groups, getting them to do activities. Oftentimes it was inside the dining hall because May weekend in Muskoka can sometimes be really cold. Um, so the fire was going. We had our toques on and our mitts on. Um, and they were, they were interacting and doing something and building something often um, that would be a real visual, symbolic um, memento. So one of the first ones we ever did, and Gab knows about this particular activity, um, is that we built a three-dimensional town on the floor of the dining hall. So the buildings were about this high or this high, I guess. Um, and it took up half the dining hall. And our camp has an incredibly large dining hall. And um, the staff was divided up into very intentional groups, uh, each group responsible for creating one of the town's buildings. And as they created the structure, they also had to discuss how that would be used metaphorically in the community. So, for example, uh, one group built a library, and they would then talk about how at camp we get resources and how we exchange ideas. One group built a school, and they talked about how at camp we would learn new things um, and why we would learn. Uh, One group built the rec center, and they talked about how at camp we would have stress relief and and play and have fun. Uh, One group had to build a cemetery because we needed a place where we could put issues to rest. Um, We had a hospital for health and safety. We had office buildings to talk about administration. We had city hall to talk about, um, you know, conflict mediation and handling disputes and all that kind of stuff. And they they were given about 45 minutes or so to build this particular town. And we took all of the, um, Uh, recyclables. We took all of the stuff from arts and crafts that nobody uses and has been there for like 10 or 15 years, brought it all into the dining hall, scissors, glue, glitter, all that kind of stuff, and just let them go. Uh, And they had so much fun building these particular buildings. I mean, the detail and the creativity blew me away. And when they were finished, each group had to get together and talk about Um, how this area of camp facilitates growth or a willingness to risk, how it makes you feel welcomed or loved, um, how it makes you better able to do your job and care for children, how it develops the community, um, how it keeps our focus on the job for the summer. And when it was all done, we put everything out on the floor, built this town. It was quite large, far bigger than we had imagined. And we placed uh, sheets of paper, rolls of paper about this wide in between all the buildings um, as the roads. And on the road, staff members had to write words to complete the following sentence. We believe in blank. So they wrote all of those out, which were then the guiding principles that connected all the structures of the community. So um, for us, we would bring uh, that summer, we brought out a couple of buildings each week at the staff meeting and talked about how we were doing in terms of our library, our health center, all those kinds of things. We tried the activity again years later, um, about 10 years later, actually, because if you've been directing long enough, you can recycle some stuff every now and then. Um, But this time we did it by having them build a 3D version of camp. 
So they built our camp on the floor of the dining hall. And in addition to all of the other benefits, anyone who was new to the camp got this bird's eye view of what the site looked like. Um, but it was amazing. I mean, they drew little, I mean, they drew, they created little outhouses and canoes. And it was amazing what they came up with. So music is playing in the background while all that creativity is happening. They're really getting to know each other. And then we're really focusing on the mission. So it was just a really interesting way to do that. Um, and I'll just give you one quick other one that we did. Um, we, this was actually when I was consulting and so I was no longer a director, but I was in chapters one day and I love to go to chapters. I love books. I love the smell of new books. You know, like I just like being in a chapter store and I was thinking about how much chapters is like summer camp. And so I got the staff together and I ran the Koinonia part of this particular uh, May weekend for them as a consultant and talked about all the different facets of chapters, what you can find there, why do people go there, what are they looking for? And then I gave them time to create a specific section of chapters, but this was the camp version of chapters. So they had to decide what it would include. And they recreated a chapter store in the dining hall in 45 minutes. It was really impressive. Um, so they had to remember that our story was camp. It was all about camp. So camp's history, camp's travel, camp's health, camp's well-being. Um, and you can use, I let them use whatever supplies they wanted from around camp, but they had to ask first before they moved anything if it didn't belong to them. And they were responsible for putting it back. Um, so um, each group was uh, given different categories and they included things like history, geography and travel or somebody did entertainment, sports and fitness. Somebody did nonfiction or the truth and religion and spirituality. Somebody did the cafe. Um, now I had the kitchen staff make cookies and hot chocolate and everything beforehand. So it was all ready to go. Um, people did nature, home and garden, um, science fiction. There was a children's area, teens area. There was family and relationships, romance, social studies, um, art, photography, music, all those kinds of things. And I got them all off of chapters website when I came up with all of these categories. Um, and so they created their section, um, each group really had about three or four sections to create uh, in the dining hall. And then they had time to go around with their hot chocolate and their coffee and look at all the different areas of camp and what people had created. And we talked about what that told us about not only the staff, but thinking about camp, what you need to protect most for each other during the summer. So it was all about what is camp? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to others? What do you need it to be? And then I asked them to remember that they need to tell their story and what would their chapters be this summer? Ha ha ha. Um, and so it was just a kind of a neat activity to bring that to life, but it was just a different way to sort of visually and physically involve them before we got down to the real nitty gritty about what camp was about. Beth, so it's just a fun a way to do it. Yes. Uh, where did you keep the town during the summer? Oh, <laughs> tricky. We kept it in the staff lounge. We took it apart, so we dismantled it. The roads of uh, that we had written the guiding principles on went on the wall, so we taped those up. And then they all were around these top shelves in our staff lounge, um, on top of lockers, on top of all kinds of things. But we kept them in the staff lounge so that they weren't in the dining hall anymore. Um, and then we if we were having our staff meeting in there, we could just pull one of the buildings down and, um, you know, talk about it. That's amazing. I love that. So our next question is, how does your camp staff put the mission into practice and how do they use and display their knowledge of the mission? So we're going to start with Ruby this time. Sure. So we have something at Green River called the Woodcraft Laws. Um, there, I think, are a handful of camps that use them. They were developed um, by an early Boy Scout leader, um, and they're love, truth, beauty, and fortitude. And under each of those, there are various phrases about it. Um, and so the Woodcraft Laws are up on our wall in the dining hall, and um, these, you know, beautiful framed photos. And we read them at the upper council fire, opening and closing campfire. Uh, but what I love is they, I think in a lot of ways, are kind of the pillars that hold up our camp and, and really 
display our mission. And I love that the staff use them. And it's things like um, under beauty, one of them is be clean, both you and the place you are in. And you will hear the staff say that phrase to the campers, you know, it's time for you to take a shower, be clean, both you and the place you live. Um, Or uh, one of the the really common phrases you might hear in camp is seek the joy of being alive. That's one of the woodcraft Mm, laws. I like that one. And we, and that's, I mean, a a call for, for GRP people. We say it all the time. Um, under uh, fortitude, I believe one of the phrases is foul play is treachery. Or I guess it's under truth. And same thing, like we'll be di- we'll be explaining the rules to a game, and we'll say, you know, you have to tell the truth about who you are. Because remember, foul play is treachery. And <laughs> I love hearing that, and I love you know because it's kind of old vocabulary. It's not necessarily all things and words that people would normally say, uh, but it's very much a living, breathing part of our community. And I think the staff see that. Uh, not only in the rituals that we do, um, but also that they're in places that it's very easy to look up and read them. I mean, we encourage them to put them up in their cabins so they can see them and use them. Um, And and they're used to hearing it, not only from administrators, but um, the campers are used to hearing it from the staff as well. And so I think it's it's a good tool for them to use that even though the woodcraft laws aren't specifically listed in our mission statement, um, it very much is all that they're they're built on what we are doing and, and our mission. And, and again, it's kind of the living, breathing version of it. Nice. We um, we have almost the same, just different words. Um, and I think a lot of camps do. When I've done accreditation visits, I've seen a lot of people with those particular words that mean a lot to them. And it's great that they that they use them. Um, we came up with one uh, probably about 1996 called the four S's. And Travis has probably talked about that on podcasts before. Um, but it was a way to help people make really good decisions. So in order to be able to do any activity at camp, uh, no matter who you are or when you're at camp, you need to follow the four S's. And um, you need to be able to ask yourselves, yourselves four questions. So is it safe? Um, is it good stewardship of the environment? Is it servanthood to the community? And does it build self-esteem? And if you can answer yes to all of those questions, you may do the activity. Um, And so we hear campers and staff asking those questions all the time. Um, And so it is just a great way to reinforce um, what it is we're talking about. Um, And it's, again, like yours, Ruby, it's not part of the mission statement, but um, it was really sort of the groundwork um, for everything else that we did. Gabrielle. Um, I think uh, I, I sort of realized that we actually didn't say what our mission statement was for our camps. Um, but our our mission for WARO is uh, to create a physically and emotionally safe environment so that all young women can discover their true selves. That's that's the basic mission statement. So we're really looking at can is the stuff is the programs that we're doing is what we're saying, giving the space for um, our campers to feel like they can be who they really want to be. And that's very, very important. And, um, and I think to, to frame that, that mission, um, like both of you pointed out um, is to have sort of, uh, you know, as you said, pillars to, to help create a framework and that, that the campers and staff make those, those decisions. And we totally took, um, and we're totally inspired by Beth and Travis's four S's. Um, our, our camp, because it's a bilingual French and English camp, we had to come up with an acronym that made this, was the same mm-hmm. in English as it was in French. This was a little bit, this was hard, <laughs> but it took a really long time. Um, a lot of frustration came out of it, but uh, actually, I think what I think what's great about it is that it really, really, really forced us to think about what made sense. And and since it was so hard, it really showed that we actually really wanted to do it. And our acronym in uh, English is Dare, in French it's Ozi. Um, but it's the same with the sort of yes question. So it's about promoting diversity. Um, you know, A is atmosphere. So basically, the environment. Um, respecting yourself and others. And we really like the self-esteem part of respecting the self-esteem of others. Um, so not only just respecting other people, but are you, are you helping build the self-esteem mm-hmm. of other people, of other campers, of other staff members? And that's great when girls are slightly excluding each other, even if they're slightly aware, uh, unaware of it. So, well, when you guys, you three were talking and you saw that there was another person there, are, are you building your, her self-esteem or are you, are you bringing it down? 
So you're not purposely trying to hurt her, um, but you're certainly not, you know, encouraging her. And so this is something we talk about with our campers at the very beginning. Um, they actually sign a contract um, that follow the uh, the D.A.R.E. program and the OZE program. And uh, we do skits and we talk about, we have campers that talk about what, why they like this program. So from campers from past past years talk about it. This is something that um, a lot of them say, I wish I had this in school. Um, and sometimes some of the kids say, which I really love, is this is a program that's that's not just said here. It actually it actually works. And I mm. love that. I'm like, oh, and it's because the staff use it and it's because our returning campers use it. And uh, um, so I had one camper, excuse my language, said, I dared the crap out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, woo, that's good. <laughs> one step at a time, but good you're down big rig but good job uh, but, but it that, made me so happy inside and that's what we want our 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 customers to see and our staff to see it's yeah. not just this is the writing that's on the website and then the yeah. staff manual that we want that we want them to see it and to to see it in action and that that's what's really there that's i think is the ultimate goal right i mean this is how we live our lives you know, and I have had staff who um, have stolen the four S's um, and use them as platforms at university, as dons. Um, my son used it to get his job at the university as the vice president of student council, all those kinds of things. Um, so it's great that they continue to use those things um, and don't just leave them at camp, but live that way outside of camp too, which is really what we're looking for. Yeah, I'll, sh- I'll share a... Um I had a really nice letter from a father uh, who um, whose daughter just joined our leadership team, and she was telling him about um, our Dare program and how we um, how we teach it to our staff, and then in turn to our campers. And um, he works for a big CEO company, and um, sort of you know he's the CEO of a big company. <laughs> and uh, anyways, he wrote a really lovely letter just saying how forward thinking camping is. The more that she tells him about uh, camp. Um, the more he's like, this is what companies are trying to do, which is, which is not create structures uh, and 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 rules, but to teach um, people how to think for themselves and use better good judgment, basically. And he was like, camp is so ahead. Mm. Uh, and so I'll find that letter, and we could share it in in the in the. Sh- she sort of used. She actually wrote it, what he said, but um, it's very nice, and it has some some great descriptions. But um, you know. For me, people that are doing this is really, really helpful for our, our staff and campers. Nice. Yeah. Ruby, do you have another one? Um, I mean, I think this kind of rolls on exactly with what we're saying, but one of the questions that I, I ask my staff a lot is, is it mission-focused? Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're doing stuff during staff training or going over activities that we're going to run with the campers, one of the big questions is how does this relate to our mission? And I think the staff need to hear that from day one when you're, you know, why do we play capture the flag? We are a non-competitive camp. We shouldn't be doing team sports, right? So why do we play capture the flag? How is it mission focused? Well, it's mission focused because we get to seek the joy of being alive and (laughs) we get to, go out and collaborate with other people and the score is fun to fun. And, you know, we celebrate when somebody scores and then we switch sides and we keep playing. Um, and, and so that's, you know, staff know that if they come to me with a program idea, the first question I'm going to ask them is, well, is it mission focused? Tell me how it's going to relate to what we're doing, teaching environmental education, connecting children with nature. If it doesn't do those things, we probably shouldn't be doing it. Great. One of the things we established years ago were fireside chats. So at leadership training every night at the end of campfire, we sit down um, with all of the staff and we have a fireside chat. And I used to ask questions like, who did you see take a risk today? Who do you have to thank today and why? Who do you see who really grew today? So we were emphasizing the mission by giving examples of who we saw following the mission and staying true north. And we were building community by having staff members recognize one another for their efforts. And uh, we had really great staff members who would always know who were the right people to recognize that day. Um, Maybe people who were newer, um, you know, wanting to fit in and feel welcome, all those kinds of things. Um, So it was incredibly powerful. It was always a really neat moment at camp. um, And it allowed the staff to have ownership over that mission that way. So it was a nice way to end the day. 
Gab, you got any more or should we move on to our next question? Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> All right. So our next question is, what have you done in the past to, crea- to correct a behavior in staff um, when they seem to have lost sight of the mission? So, you know, bad behaviors, poor choices, they're op- often a symptom of a larger problem of the staff not taking ownership of the mission itself. So what sorts of things have you done to correct that before? I can throw it out there. Either one of you can go. Um, I can go. Thanks, um, um I love, uh, okay, so correcting bad behaviors, um, I, I call it opportunity moments, basically. <laughs> and um, basically, uh, I, I, for the most part, staff members that are getting off track for uh, a plethora of reasons can either be they're feeling excluded, they're not feeling like they are um, living up to their uh, potential, um, you know, they're frustrated about something that we're unaware of. There's a whole bunch of reasons why. Um, they know the reason, um, but they may not know how it's ape- affecting their job performance. So mm-hmm. we're not talking about staff members that are actually we need to uh, get rid of. We're talking about staff members right. or good staff members that are that are a little bit off course. And I, I, think, for, I think for us, uh, again, and I say it over and over again, it's about setting up expectations and it's mm-hmm. about setting up a routine um, so that when you do need to talk to a staff member, that routine's already in place. So, you know, having, you know, regular check-ins and so on and so forth. But this person has gone off track. And really what it comes down to is being very, very straightforward, saying, this is what I've noticed. Tell me what's going on. And, um, and I, I don't have any trick in the bag. I don't have any um, acronym to go with it. <laughs> All I have is, is, this is what I've noticed. Um, sometimes this is, this is what happens sometimes when you're tired or I've never seen like you like this before. I, we label specific examples or specific experiences that I have. So sometimes you can't label it, but you said, this is the sense I'm getting. Tell me, tell me a little bit more. Mm. And if they are brush it off as it's nothing, I'm, I used to be like, okay, well then it's nothing. Now I say, well, in my opinion, there is something uh, we'll see how the rest of the day goes, and uh, and then we'll check in again, and and I just leave it at that. And usually, I I will say a hundred percent, almost nine times out of ten, I'd like to say a hundred percent, but uh, we figure it out, um, and and we talk about the importance of of our job and what we're doing and and our mission. So it's really just a sit down, and it's not always me that does it. It's our sometimes our leadership team. I always guide them in those conversations, but nothing nothing fancy, just. We're going to chat, and but if you have the infrastructure, if you've already talked about the mission, if you've already talked about your expectations, right? Uh, this conversation is so much easier. If you don't have those things, it's it's like Ruby said, uh, I think in our last podcast or one of our podcasts, where uh, she said, I think you did you implement a um, um, what's it called a, a curfew? I did. I did. Yeah, halfway exactly. through the summer. Yeah. Sometimes you have to do that. Like (laughs) we can talk about having to do that, but sometimes those type of, that's a, that's the hardest thing to do. But if you're, if they already know they're supposed to be, they have a curfew and then you're talking to them about the curfew, that's not too hard. Right. Um, Yeah. So there you go. Great. Thanks, Gab. Ruby. Um, so we do an activity during staff orientation, um, called the four quadrants of accountability. And I actually watched a webinar uh, with ACA about this. And so, so good because it talks about how we serve four populations. We serve the campers, we serve the parents, we serve our co-counselors and our staff, and then you serve the directors. And um, so the, the staff have to, during this activity, during staff training, they go around and list what are the expectations of each of these groups. And it allows them to set up kind of their own staff covenant. Like, I mm. expect my fellow staff members to not cause a lot of drama. Um, <laughs> and I expect the, my fellow staff members to support me when I'm having a hard time. Um, and it, and it, so it lays out those expectations that the staff have of each other, but it's also a great thing that I use throughout the rest of the summer. It's, it's mm. actually a big element of our, um, coaching and feedback form. And so the first coaching session that the, each of the staff members come in for, you know, they're nervous, they're freaking out. They think they're at the principal's office. And the first question I ask them is, okay, tell me two ways that you're uh, meeting the expectations of campers. And so they, they kind of get put at ease because they're talking about, okay, this is what I'm doing well. They get to you know flex their muscles and say, mm-hmm. this is where things are going well. 
Um, I took the sheets that we wrote down all of their brainstorms on and they were in my office. Uh, so when the staff member said, oh, I don't really know how I'm meeting the expectations of the parents. I was like, well, look right there on that sheet. You see any of those that, that are working for you? <laughs> um, but it, it was really great because it helps them visualize like, this is what I need to get done. And it sets out those expectations like Gab was saying. Um, and I think, I just think it really spells it out and it's, um, mm-hmm. it's an exercise I'm going to continue to do for a long time. And, and anytime you have one of those behaviors that's not appropriate or is an issue that you can sit down and draw the quadrants and say, all right, how is this behavior meeting the expectations of the campers? How is it, you know, meeting expectations of the staff and the parents and they can see right away, you know, this is good decision, bad decision. Um, and it relates right back. But again, and it's kind of all tied into the mission because all of those people need to see our mission in action. So if you're not meeting their expectations, you're probably not meeting the meeting the mission. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so like these two, I am a huge fan of front loading everything. Um, it allows staff the opportunity to learn before they make poor choices. So this really means that I have to be incredibly prepared. So as a director, I would have had to think through my goals for training as a whole, for every individual session that I was leading, for sessions other people were leading, for a theme, for whatever, um, and try to foresee any issues that could arise so that if I front load it as much as possible, we not only avoid poor choices, but avoid putting staff members in a place where they feel badly about something or feel incompetent um, because they've been given enough information. So it's a little bit extra work, but it's completely worth it to sort of think things through and front load. If I ever had an issue, um, like Gab was saying, that you know I needed to speak to a staff person, um, I would do it as soon as possible, uh, as soon as I could without interrupting a, a session and, and somehow marking them out in some way so that um, I could take them aside quietly and privately and have that discussion. Um, if I needed to talk to an entire staff uh, because they were all off track for some reason, or we were having a really bad day in training. Something was going um, not quite to code. Um, one of the most effective things I did, and I, it took time to learn this one, um, was again, um, having them all sit in the lodge on the floor, me on our campfire bench, which is what um, you know we would sit on to do fireside chats, or if you were leading slow songs at campfire, bring them all into me as close as I possibly could. So they were all up nice and close, like you would sit in nursery school um, when the teacher was reading a story, like all nice and close. And I would lean in and I would whisper. Mm. And the entire conversation took place in a whisper. And it was incredibly effective because all of a sudden they were really listening and they knew it was really important. I wasn't yelling. I wasn't sounding angry, even if I had been a bit angry at, at some behaviors that I'd seen. Um, but it was a way to, um, to be able to deal with that situation. I've done it also in smaller groups under a parachute. So um, we got it all sitting underneath there. It was just a way to cut out everything else around us and focus very carefully on what was happening. So the whisper is a very effective um, tool that I I don't use often, but I use it when it's necessary. Um, I always felt like leadership training was the time to notice those signs and catch it early and not let stuff go and not say, oh, you know, they just finished high school, so they're being a little bit crazy. Just give them time to kind of adjust. Um, You got to get on it and get on it soon because by the time those children arrive whether it's you know two days seven days ten days two weeks later you all need to be on the same page so the other thing we always made sure to do was to catch them doing it right and to let them know Um, and to catch them doing it right as often as possible and to use uh, words from Michael Brandwine we would DLP it so we would describe it label it praise it so that they knew what they were doing right not just that you know, good job, guys. Um, but they knew what was expected from them. And um, that seemed to work really well to try to um, avoid problems that would happen in the future. Absolutely. Uh, anybody uh, got yeah. any more for those? Or should we move on to the next one? No, I think that was a nice, a nice sum up. Good. <laughs> okay. Ruby, you're good? down notes as, as you're speaking. <laughs> okay. Um, so our last question for the podcast is what is your must do during leadership training pertaining to the mission? So how do you get staff to follow the compass? How do you get them to value what's really important? 
Hmm. That was hard. It is a hard one. Um, I can start on that one. So thanks, Ruby. Um, what Beth just said, the the DLP. Oh my gosh, we used that so much this summer. It became a joke with my staff. Right. And it got to the point where the campers were saying that to each other, like that. You just passed something to me. That's caring. We really like that here. Like, it's kind of embarrassing, but it was so good. Like if everybody in the world talked that way, life would be good. But that's I right. think that that's that's a big part of it. It is really being intentional about pointing out what's going well, um, and to to be on the Michael Brandwine bandwagon um, and super va- super staff supervision. He talks mm-hmm. about, you know, we know very specifically what the bad behaviors look like, but when you ask somebody, what do the good behaviors look like? It's like, Oh, they're kind and they're generous and they're helpful, but we don't list very specifically, you know, they scooch over and make room for everybody or um, those sorts of things. So I think that's the first step is during staff training. When you see somebody do something that's, that's so spot on that you point it out. And, um, I I just think that's really critical. I like it. I can't wait to come visit your camp. It's happening. (laughs) (laughs) We'll go together, Gab. I don't know what, what Jackie will say, but (laughs) (laughs) that's collaboration. We like that here. I'll be there. (laughs) Um, Uh, what do I want to do every summer? You know what? I think it's very simple uh, in the sense that um, we talk about um, how to welcome people and what does that look like and what are what are our natural tendencies when um, people come on to camp that we do not know? Um, you know, what do we naturally do, which is usually sort of clump together and sort of be like, oh, and if you don't know the person. You, uh, so I think that initial welcome from uh, if you live on site to welcoming your leadership team to your leadership welcoming your staff to your staff welcoming your new staff is one of the key uh, things that that gets get your your um, just uh, sharing your mission from the very beginning. You are welcome here as you come, mm. and um, just that aspect is really important. I I myself I'm very um, doesn't look like it, but I'm very shy. And when people come into my space, I want to hide behind whatever object is in in my way. So I'm really, really aware of this. But I also know what it feels like when you come into a place and people are sort of busy doing their things. And uh, as camp directors, we're very busy and leaving our office or leaving the meeting that we're that we're in is super, super important when people come into camp. So if I had to choose one thing that I would do to help promote our mission, besides obviously talking about our mission, uh, you know, um, you know, showing staff members, you know, some sentences that they can use uh, at camp, so on and so forth, um, would be that welcoming piece. How do we want people to be to be welcomed? And you can literally label it, you know, help them carry their bags to their cabin, give them an anecdote about camp, ask them a personal question. Like, <laughs> if you really want to frame it out, these are, I think it's one of the, it's a very, very important thing to do. So that's what, that would be my one thing. Great. Um, for me, believing in people before they have proved themselves seemed to be the key to motivating people to reach that full potential. So um, that was really key for me at camp. Um, and for the mission piece to really get them to understand the mission. Um, and it took me a long time to sort of figure this out, but teaching them about the legacy they can leave was really big. So getting them to think about the big picture. So we talk a lot about teens these days who seem to be more self-entitled, who are acting a lot more self-centeredly than they did 10 years ago or whatever. Um, So for me, it's us, we need to get them to understand that there's a whole lot more at stake than just the job they're going to be doing for the next eight weeks. We needed them to grasp the concept that there were thousands of campers and staff who came before them and God willing thousands who will come after. Um, So uh, this past year uh, at a camp that I went to, I did an entire session on legacy and it took about 90 minutes. And I think that it really brought things home and uh, the directors still talk to me about um, some of the things that 
changed in the staff um, when they were uh, when they had finished doing this session. So I put out um, I had nine different I think nine different stations around the room. Um, one was a huge map, you know, the one that used to hang behind Travis's head when he did podcasts. So I took that up to camp um, and I had a bunch of stickers. And so one of the stations was, um, you know, put a sticker on the map anywhere where, you know, an alumnus has gone. Um, you know, I had old photos that are 80 plus years old. I had old slideshows out, not PowerPoint, actual slide projector slideshows. Um, I had old CDs um, that were recorded by the staff um, so that they could listen to those. Um, and there were also stations that they could um, sit down and answer questions like, what can you do today that will make a difference a year from now? What will you do today that will make you proud a year from now? What are things you have learned from camp? Um, another station was draw what you think the future of camp will look like in five years, 10 years, 50 years, you pick. Um, what could you do this summer that could hurt this place? Uh, what is your best memory of camp? What was here before you got here? And don't include any of the physical stuff. Um, list careers that alumni have chosen to serve. So, um, you know, we spent about an... Um, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour, allowing them to go to all of these different stations. And like many of the sessions that I do, I, I had them do it in complete and utter silence. So they weren't allowed to talk to each other. I had music playing in the background, but um, it was just uh, for them to focus in on their own experience with um, with what they were doing. And it really made a big difference in, in terms of letting them know, um, letting them think about the legacy that they wanted to leave after they were gone. So in keeping with that, one of the biggest traditions we started years and years ago, which is always one of my favorites, and I intend to put all these together in a book someday, um, is I would ask members of staff who had been staffed the summer before, but that was their last year, um, to write uh, an alumni letter to the current staff. And so each night at the end of campfire, we would read the alumni letter um, and it had its own box. So when the box was taken out, everybody would kind of sit a little bit closer on the floor. And they knew that when the lid was lifted, a letter would come out. And I mean, I love the part where I'd listen to them whispering, trying to figure out who had written the letter before, um, before we said who it was from. Um, but the neat part about it, um, there were often some tears uh, when letters were read, lots of laughter as memories were, um, you know, recounted. But it was an incredibly powerful experience to listen to their advice to the staff of this year, to hear how important camp was and is to them, um, and to hear them send their love um, out to um, people who are still on staff now. So they continue that tradition today, and it's been a really neat thing. So I'd like to take all of these letters and put them in a book someday, with everybody's permission, of course, but um, it was a really, really neat experience. Do you guys have any more of those i was gonna ask gab do you guys do that do you do the staff letters uh we did we did a little bit uh when i heard that beth and travis did it we did it a little bit and it was it was very very nice uh it was a very nice uh, thing to do i was just actually i was kind of uh, smiling and laughing a little bit beth because um i was just recently on a podcast with one of your staff members uh old staff members who's now uh a director um, for Karen and, and uh, she was just saying that these letters should be put in a book. <laughs> We've talked said, about it. I said, yes. As <laughs> a, uh, we'd, we'd like to do it as a fundraiser, um, I think you know, for camperships. Oh, yeah. I think it's fantastic. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, no, we don't do, we don't do the letters. We did it for, um, one of our, um, uh, like I think it was our 90th anniversary or something. And it was really, really cool. I, I think, I think though the sentiment that Beth is, is getting across is also what, what you're inspired by and, and to inspire your staff. So I, I know for Beth letters is, is a really big thing. Writing is a, is a, is a nice thing. And I think that, you know, whatever inspires you mm -hmm. and how you can get it across um, yeah. I mean, uh, we do projects where we have, st we give cameras to staff members and I ask them to go take a, a picture of, of something that inspires, inspires them at camp. And we do that throughout the summer and it's just one picture and they get to take a whole bunch, but they choose which one. And then mm. we showcase it. And that's for me, you know, photography is, I, I really enjoy it, but that's something I'm inspired by, but that can, uh, influence all of our staff members. So I think, right. um, what Beth is saying is, is really, you know, what what you feel passionate about and what connects you to camp is a wonderful way of mm -hmm. of getting your staff 
uh, to feel that that connection um, and, Absolutely. and creating it into a, in a into a program that becomes a tradition is mm-hmm. becomes even more powerful. It doesn't become any more about about your passion. It, it definitely develops into their passion. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you got another one for us, Ruby? I do. Uh, we also do staff letters. I learned about that, um, gosh, a couple of years ago and instituted it right away because I just think it's such a powerful tool mm-hmm. because the return staff really, really look forward to it because, like you said, That's they're right. trying to figure out who who it was. And um, I also found the, the side effect of when I emailed the alums this year, a lot of them were like, this is so cool. I'm so glad I get to give back to camp. And I was having breakfast with one of my staff members from this summer uh, just last week, and he was like, I can't wait to write my letter. You know, <laughs> So yeah. uh, it's great because they get to – the return staff are excited about it, and the new staff really get a taste of that culture. Like this is – this is your drink in the mm-hmm. Kool-Aid. Like you are just now getting into what this is all That's about. Right. And I think it makes them want to be that staff member who's writing a letter one day. But anyway, um, I, the last thing my other must do is one that I actually just heard recently. Um, we had a speaker come and talked to a lot of the North Carolina camps, uh, Chica Aloy, and he wrote this book addicted to camp, mm. which I think we all need to read. And, um, it one of the things that was overarching in his presentation was the question, why are you at camp? And just asking that question. Um, and it's, it's not only a valuable question for our summer staff, but also for us as directors too. And I think sometimes that's, that's the question that you need to ask your staff is, you know, let's just talk about why you're here. Um, and there are certainly ways you could say it where it would be not so polite. Uh, so you want to be sure you're using the right context. But I think a lot of times just bringing that focus back into this is why you're here. And I need you to tell me why you're here. Um, and for them to, for the staff member to generate that response, not you saying you're here to help the kids, but for them to say, I'm here to spend time with the kids. Well, cool. Your actions aren't showing that. Um, let's go from there. So I think just that question is a really valuable one to have, uh, as well as to encourage your staff to ask each other. Nice. Nice. Um, the last must do thing that I did every year, um, near the end, it wasn't something we created till, I don't know, 2004 or five, um, is the hero's journey. So it's something that was done, uh, every May weekend. And the very first time we did it, we took the idea from Joseph Campbell, who, um, first explored the hero's journey in the a uh, hero with a thousand faces, I believe it is. Um, and there are five steps to the journey. So the first step is the mundane world. Um, and the hero uh, is in the normal world, um, which for us would be the non-camp world and has yet to be introduced to their journey. So we often talk about going back to the mundane world. Um, step two is the call to adventure. So that's the spark that launches the hero onto the journey and something from the world of adventure appears in the hero's mundane world and the journey begins. And of course, for us, that's summer camp. Um, step three is crossing the threshold. So um, now that the hero has received the call, they have to step into the new world. So it actually means crossing over a threshold. And it often comes in the form of a symbolic transition. Um, and we actually used an arbor that they had to go through um, in the ceremony. Um, sometimes the threshold is accompanied by guardians and they help to make sure that the adventure ahead is going to be ready for the person. Um, step four is the path of trials, which is, of course, challenges for the hero. So they vary in difficulty and they usually culminate with a challenge that the hero has to face alone. Um, there are friends that help the hero, um, that make deci- that help make decisions and overcome challenges. And of course, m- there are mentors involved too, who help the hero when the path seems hopeless or really confusing. So you can see how all of this looks exactly like summer camp. Um, and step five is the master of two worlds. So the hero heads back to the mundane world, of course, a changed person. The world has stayed the same, but the hero is changed forever. And the mundane world becomes a better place because the hero is in it. So um, the first year that we did it, we <laughs> I'm not sure whether this was a good idea or not, but we woke up the staff in the middle of the night um, by lantern light. So we had a resource person go to each cabin, gently wake them up um, and bring them all by lantern light to the lodge in silence where a fire was going. We had hot chocolate. We had warm bread um, waiting. And we had a ceremony that took them through all the five steps of this hero's journey. Um, and at the end, um, each person was given a candle that was lit once they accepted their call to adventure and so on. Um, and the cool part was we'd had some alumni arrive um, while they were sleeping. 
and they were part of the ceremony, but they were gone again in the morning when they woke up. So um, it was kind of magical that way. Um, and when it was over, we sent them back to bed in silence um, with the pathways to the cabins all lined with sandbag candles, which had been put out by resource staff during the end of the ceremony. So they weren't there when they first um, got up and came to the lodge. And then, of course, we let them sleep in in the morning. Um, and when they came back to the dining hall for a late breakfast, um, the dining hall was covered with banners that talked about the hero's journey. There were journals and pens at every place ready for them to start writing about their journeys. Um, And in fact, a staff member came up to me after breakfast that day and said, "Um, did that really happen or was I dreaming that? And I thought that was the most amazing part of it because that's exactly what we were going for. Um, So we did it every year after that. And it's a tradition that still continues to this day. But that was the only year we woke them up in the middle of the night. Now it happens um, at night right after campfire on the May weekend. Um, But it's a whole ceremony involving it. So it's part of the lingo to talk about the mundane world and the extraordinary world and to talk about um, the hero's journey. So then at the end of leadership training, we would always have a staff commissioning, which was the bookend of the hero's journey. So that would happen at the May weekend. And at the June, at the end, right the night before campers were to arrive, we had a staff commissioning service, which um, acknowledges not only all the work that the staff has put into the training period, but also the fact that they are now ready to go. And promises are made or vows are made um, to one another. So from the directors to the staff and from the staff to each other and from the staff to the directors. And for us, because we were a Christian camp, worship was included in that as well. Um, And the service includes camp songs and candles. I'm really big on candles, as you may have noticed. Um, And oftentimes, if alumni are up, uh, because they often help and come, uh, you know, work in the kitchen during these training periods, they'll participate and like physically pass the torch and, you know, sort of do all of those things. So it's kind of um, the wrap up to that. So for me, it was, it's all about sort of ceremonies and stuff kind of helps to really reinforce that mission. I'm envisioning a combination of that with your town building and the hero comes in and saves. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Oh, that's oh. great. Tell me how that goes. That would yes. be awesome. Oh. I would love to hear about Wheels that. Wheels are turning. Wheels are turning. <laughs> so this has been quite the long podcast, but obviously something we're really passionate about and we've all had lots to say. But before we wrap up, um, Gab is just going to sort of recap some of the ideas that we've talked about today. Um, I saw her writing furiously as uh, as the podcast was going. So she's yeah. going to recap before we sort of close off i'm going to do a speed recap and um i might miss some of it uh but uh but this is a gist of it so um getting our staff to think about the camp mission have returning staff um you know explain the camp mission to new staff and then have them um describe it to you use a gimmick as a prize i love that one letters (laughs) letters letters from uh, alumni staff there in impact and the camp directors in writing um, the importance of our mission. Um, and, 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 and uh, oh, I'm like, I wrote down cornucopia, but I know that that's not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, we have to get to the cornucopia, but build, build uh, a camp town and have uh, each little aspect of the town uh, representative of, of camp itself. Uh, putting mission into practice, I think the main thing that stands out for that is pillars. Have something mm-hmm. to support your mission um, in perhaps form of questions or statements so that uh, they can use it uh, to use their best judgment. Um, uh, use statements like, who did you see do what? I love that one. And um, have your staff refer back to the mission. So when they do certain things or when they're planning things, uh, they're referring back to the mission. Behavior management. Simply, let's chat. Things aren't going well. Uh, the four quadrants of accountability, make sure that expectations are set up very clearly at the beginning, including even during staff hiring. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a let's get together and whisper session. Uh, but, <laughs> but basically, basically, it's a good time to chat in a non-aggressive way and uh, get some feelings out so that you can hear the staff and they can hear you. And the must do's, uh, which was very passionate. I'll start with a hero's journey candles and um and passion are very strongly shared but not in that kind of way Um, (laughs) so really getting the staff to think about their experience asking them why they are here um welcoming people that that shows how mission can be just felt and uh if you need any advice read a michael brandwine book (laughs) 
Because I think he was referred to a couple of times. (laughs) Yes, Michael Brandwine. Absolutely. (laughs) Read his, well, probably go to his sessions and then read his books. Yes, you have to, you have to see him in action at least once. Yeah. Um, It'll make it, it'll make everything (laughs) make sense after that. Great. Um, So how can you get involved in our podcasts? You can join us on Twitter at hashtag uh, Camp Hacker Train. You can let us know what topics you would like us to discuss, what guests you would recommend we talk to, what great leadership training tips you have to share with us. We would love to hear from you. This is all about sharing in this industry. So let us know. And here is how to contact each one of us individually. So Gab? Uh, yep, yeah, you can get in touch with me. Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Gabrielle Rail. Rail has two L's. And you can check out where I work at Camp Waro. No, sorry, at Waro.com. Thanks, Ruby. Uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well, RubyLynn85. Uh, and my summer camp is just GreenRiverPreserve.org. I do a lot of blog writing and I'm behind a lot of the social media. So follow us on all of those avenues. Great. And you can find me on Twitter at Camp Hacker. You can email me at Beth at WalkingMaverick.com or you can find Camp Hacker on CampHacker.tv. And I'm really excited to tell you about our next podcast. Um, We'll be covering community building, which was my favorite part of summer camp. And we will have a special guest with us. So we're going to be thrilled to be joined by Tom Heck from International Association of Teamwork Facilitators. So we're really looking forward to that. Our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership trainings. So those are some of the things we'd love to hear from you so that we can share them on our next podcast. The one uh, from today is coming from uh, Rebecca Jess, who is one of the co-directors at Cairn, which is a camp that Travis and I used to work at many years ago. Um, And I was reading on Facebook and I saw one of her staff members refer to himself as the guardian of the mission. And I thought this was such a great thing that I emailed her and said, please tell me about this. So um, what she did was take the mission apart during leadership training and uh, they had three parts to their mission. So she looked at all three parts in terms of level one and level two skills. So another nod to Michael Brandwine there. Um, But in terms of the hard skills that you're teaching and what soft skills they're learning at the same time, uh, being the level two skills, she divided up the mission into three parts because they had three sentences to their mission. And she asked the staff how um, ways you know that you use level one and level two skills to support the mission and then set some goals around that. And as a physical reminder to them, she made shields. So she had these great big shields, one for resource or uh, senior staff and one for counselors. And on them, she had them write out all of the ways they plan to be guardians of the mission. And uh, she laughed and told me that she brought um, the shields back out during their how to get fired session and used them as a reminder that as guardians, and this is a direct quote, guardians do not do crap that will get them fired. (laughs) Um, But um, they left the shields around and everyone signed uh, one of the shields to show their commitment to being guardians of the mission. But my favorite favorite part was the chant that they had. So they had this chant that they did at the start of every single week. Um, so the directors would yell out, who are we? And the staff would yell, the guardians of the mission, what will we share? And they'd give the first part, what will we provide? And they give the second part, um, what else will we provide? And they give the third. And then everybody said, puts their hands in the center and says, go guardians. So, um, they, loved it so much that the term guardians of the mission made it onto their staff clothing. And if you know this particular camp, and it may be with other camps as well, um, they take staff clothing very seriously. So you know that the mission really hit home because they were really proud to call themselves guardians of the mission. So there's your tip. Thank you so much for listening. And please join us on the hashtag Camp Hacker Train. We will look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks, everybody, for a great show. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.